This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, everyone. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Today's episode is serving up something a little different. It's time to log in and get Chronically Online. Oh my God, what is that? Chronically Online is where we dissect the biggest trends on the internet. And I, Every meme, mess, and microtrend comes from somewhere. I love codes. Mmm, codes. And we're going to unravel, unpack, and recontextualize the most viral trends. Welcome to part four on your guide to entering your villain era. So for today's video, it's going to be a giant, giant, giant sheen haul. Here's some ways on how to activate your divine feminine energy. Because what happens online doesn't happen by accident. The girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. It's time to get Today's Chronically Online starts with the clean girl. You know those girls that always look clean? Their skin is always glowing, their lips are always glossed, and they never, ever look like they're wearing too much makeup? You may not be them, but here's... Now, if you don't know the trend, it's usually women wearing minimal makeup, a neutral wardrobe, and low almond-shaped nails. The hashtag carries a whopping 3.1 billion views on TikTok. And if you take even a cursory scroll through the trend, you'll also notice that it can take a long time to see someone who's not white. And from the clean girl, you can tumble into other trends that seem to center whiteness, like ballet core, the old money aesthetic, cottage core, and the vanilla girl. My guest today isn't shy about calling out these growing trends. She wrote an essay titled, White Women Want Their Power Back. To me, it does feel like a very strong messaging by white women who have politically fallen out of favor over the past few years and want to be seen as the apex of femininity once more. That's Steffi Sow, writer and internet culture reporter for BuzzFeed. And where some may see an innocuous turn to neutrals, modesty, and minimalism, Steffi sees a political arsenal. Today on the show, Steffi and I deep dive into beauty politics as soft power. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. 
Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Steffi, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So we are here today to discuss an essay that you recently published to your Substack called White Women Want Their Power Back. I want to start off with the moment you knew you had to write this article. When I was growing up, it was all about being thick, spelled with Q's. <laughs> or two C's. <laughs> yeah, two C's or a Q or a C. Never the CK. Yeah, that was like the dominant culture when I was in high school. And that's what I came of age under. I don't know why, but I've just been getting fed a lot of lifestyle content, particularly around Pilates, high protein, low carb diets. And I think at a certain point, I was like, I think they just want me to be a skinny white woman because that's all that I'm seeing. In your essay, you mentioned different trends. Clean girl. Hashtags like ballet core. The same way as the model off-duty look, it still gives that effortless chic on-the-go vibe, but with warmer clothing items like leg warmers here or boleros. But a recent one that has seemed to spark a lot of discussion is... The Vanilla Girl, which Glamour UK said is shaping up to be one of TikTok's biggest trends of the year. Yeah. What is the Vanilla Girl and why has this trend sparked so much ire in comparison to the other ones? For me, (laughs) Vanilla Girl is literally like the color vanilla. Everything is pale and cream and white and eggshell. The color palette of the Vanilla Girl aesthetic is not very extensive, but it is exclusive. There's not a lot of variation here. It's cream, white, beige, what I would call a latte color. You don't want to go too brown because then you're heading into cinnamon girl territory and that's just like a whole different... And I think a lot of people who see Vanilla Girl, I think part of it is like this discourse around I don't think this one's for me. I don't think this one's for you. I don't think this one's for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) This trend is, it just looks like a bunch of like white clothes and like white items. And so I just want to know, like, why do we name things, certain things? And I think people are aware of all these like very white trends. These like, not like white as in women participating, but literally the color white, (laughs) which then also determines the influencers who can be the most successful in it. Right. Vanilla Girl for me is one I'm like, it's everything is literally white. It is a very, to me, it's a sunken place aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty on the nose. Like to your point, <laughs> I can't imagine what the response would even be from the people in my life if I walked around referring <laughs> to myself as a Vanilla Girl. <laughs> like, right. I think my parents would feel like they had failed me in some way. <laughs> um, but who's like the shining star? of the clean girl beauty aesthetic right now? Is there a celebrity that our listeners might know about who who really is like the picture of the clean girl? I think for a long time, it may have been Hailey Bieber. Hi, I'm Hailey Bieber, and I am here to answer Bazaar's burning beauty questions. I do really like chill makeup, like very natural, just glowy, dewy. I've learned with Hailey Bieber was really a very popular search term for a lot of these simple silhouettes and Mm. the basic nail and the 
quote-unquote brownie glazed lip that she got called out for because it's a very big part of the like 90s latina culture like have like the brown lip liner with like a much lighter lip stick or lip gloss and like blending it together right yeah so the clean girl is marketable in the way of it's attainable and it feels like someone who lives next door to you but has their life together. I think the beauty of the clean girl is that uh, it's so successful because she could be any girl within a specific guideline. (laughs) They seem to bring us back to definitely very stereotypical gender roles. And I see that kind of connected to a lot of the trad wife or traditional wife content that I see online, which has also become really popular over the past few years. With my traditional values, a desire to be a busy stay-at-home mother of many children, my cooking skills, and feminine style, I think I would have enjoyed being a 1940s woman. What might it signal that so many white women on the internet appear to be leaning back into these traditional feminine ideals of the past? All of these things, all these trends that we see online play to power. The stay-at-home girlfriend, on the surface being I'm reclaiming my power as someone who doesn't want to work. And you know what? I actually do love staying at home. And none of these things seem bad in essence, but the fallback into, I guess, quote unquote, traditional family roles of the wife being at home and things like the drama that happened with wives who were packing lunches for their linemen husbands. The competition around who's performing better at these types of ideals. Right. It it does all feel related in some way to very traditional forms of misogyny and hegemony. The simultaneous rise of traditional wife culture as well as the return mm-hmm. to a very, I would say boring, but like a very traditional form of beauty (laughs) of like whiteness and thinness and hyper femininity. I don't think their simultaneous Mm -hmm. rise is coincidental. And so when I see all these aesthetics, when I see clean girl, coastal grandma, beige girl, vanilla girl, to me, it does feel like a very strong messaging by white women who have politically fallen out of favor over the past few years and want to be seen as the apex of femininity once more. Coming up, Steffi and I unpack how soft power and beauty politics work hand in hand. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from the BBC with Where to Be a Woman. Join hosts Sachi Cole and Sophia Smith-Gaylor to find out where in the world women can live their best lives. Search for Where to Be a Woman from BBC Podcasts. So when you say politically fallen out of favor, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah. So when I was in high school, you know, Miley Cyrus was, she was high off perk with her J's on. 
she was, you know, twerking at the VMAs. And it was this attempt in our culture to be as close to Blackness as possible while not suffering what the Black community goes through in our political system. And I would say since that era, there's been more clear understanding of how white women are also oppressors. And so as I talk about my essay, you know, we watched so many videos of Karens having meltdowns, calling the police on Mm. people of color. And then after that, there was a demand for white women to face the consequences. So politically, white women have fallen out of favor and become less cool. And so now, for me, it feels like an attempt at soft power because when I look at countries like Japan and the Cool Japan Initiative that was specifically set up to export culture, anime and video games. Like in the post-war era. Right, in order to appeal more harmless and friendly as a nation to Mm. the world. It feels like a similar response now. It sounds like what you're saying is white women cannot necessarily be assumed innocent of racism or innocent of harm. Basically, culturally, over the past couple of years, we've been able to see so many examples of how white women can also participate in white supremacy. It's almost like there's this charm offensive, is what you're saying, Yes, through these aesthetics to take hold of some of the only type of power, capital, (laughs) that's available to most women, which is beauty. Absolutely. Like, as you said, white women have long held this currency in victimhood and being the perfect victim. It becomes harder to maintain a sense of purity, of coolness to a wider society that no longer fully buys into it anymore. Mm. And so for me, it felt like a very direct response to our politics and beyond that, our movement for justice. It's almost like the the trend of looking more, quote unquote, racially or ethnically ambiguous is over or at least sunsetting for white women who popularized it. I mean, even the Kardashians who have long borrowed from black aesthetics to set trends, they've appeared to become less curvaceous and they have been looking to Marilyn Monroe and Pamela Anderson for inspiration. You know, there are people listening to this who spend very little time on the internet. People who think a clean girl is simply a person who has showered. (laughs) Why does any of this matter to them? How you choose to view your own body in this wider society is inherently a very political act, which is why things like the body positivity movement that we see online is such a big deal, one, but also it's harder to sell that to a a wider system that wants to profit off of insecurity. And so beauty politics is inherently tied to wider notions of power of who is at the top, who is the coolest person in the room, and then how then from there you police your own self, you police your own choices, and how you perceive others as well. Well, that makes me think about something that you talked about in your article. You mentioned in the article how white women have been, or really you unpack in the article, how white (laughs) women have been co-opting East Asian culture. But on our team, some people felt that many of the East Asian beauty trends developed outside of European whiteness. Mm -hmm. But what does it mean for white women to co-opt that aesthetic 
and bring it here. And also I wonder what assumptions are they making about East Asian women that this is an aesthetic (laughs) that they want to interpret at this moment? I do think it is interesting in that way, this perception of East Asian women in Western lifestyle content. And I think that lends in hand because East Asian women are often conceptualized as also very hyper-feminine, also very Mm. like trad wife. They're fetishized as these docile, quiet, apolitical beings, right? So Mm. I think it fits well in with this attempt of white girl soft power because so many of the factors just line up while also providing a sense of tokenized diversity, even though, you know, a lot of East Asian women are light-skinned and are often conceptualized as thin and pale and doe-eyed in the West. It's so strange to see this trend of white women co-opting East Asian culture in in 2023. Like, it's it's so strange (laughs) to see it now. But people my age, can't help but think of that memorable time when Gwen Stefani was doing that just about 20 years ago. I mean, well, she was co-opting <laughs> South Asian culture in the 90s. She was doing everyone. In the 2000s, it was East Asian culture and a lot of Chicana culture. But it's almost like this trend is cyclical. Yeah. This, for me, feels different because it is another very specific image of Asian-ness that's being exported into the coolness of white norms. So it's a different woman than it was in the 90s, which is like a doll, essentially, like with, you know, big lashes and the big bright Mm. colors. This is a different woman, but the essences of what is cool is essentially what fits again into what we've already determined as desirable in our content. What's a trend that you like haven't seen yet, but you're like, I want this to pop. Have you got to invent Ooh. a trend and put invent it into action? a trend. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, this is national public radio. I mean, you could say something that starts a national trend. <laughs> Stakes are high. You know what? Hmm. <laughs> what if I were just like, everyone should just wear like latex bodysuits? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, Steffi, your lips to America's ears. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a minute today. It was great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Steffi Sow, writer and culture reporter for BuzzFeed. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Alexis Williams, Barton Girdwood. Our editor is Jessica Placzek, Jessica Mendoza. Engineering support came from Trey Watson. All right. That's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. When voters talk during an election season, we listen. We ask questions, we follow up, and we bring you along to hear what we learned. 
get closer to the issues, the people, and your vote at the NPR Elections Hub. Visit npr.org slash elections.